Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, uh, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. NCAA National Tournament is underway. We have a great story out of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. The CHL's top prospect game went earlier this week as well. And controversy. Well, that seems to be the theme here as of late here in college hockey when it comes to goal reviews. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, everybody. My name is Guy Flaming. The Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Because you can't win friends with salad, it's Alberta's best beef jerky you haven't had a chance to try it, I highly, I can't possibly recommend it any higher uh, than I do because it's uh, it's fantastic. Two locations, one in Spruce Grove, one in Leduc. Spruce Grove's the, uh, the closer one to me, so it's the one that I frequent most. Uh, but I have been to the uh, location in Leduc, and I have relatives who work in Leduc, so they pick it up uh, while they're there as well and bring it over for, you know, family uh, get-togethers. Trent is in Leduc, and... Uh, Trevor is in Spruce Grove. If you can't make the drive in, but you live in Western Canada, well, any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you. Vacuum sealed, fresh on delivery, 100% absolutely delicious. WilhawkBeefJerky.com. It's W-I-L-H-A-U-K, BeefJerky.com. Let's get right to it. We can start with the uh, CHL Top Prospect game. That went in uh, Kitchener a couple of days ago, as I'm speaking with you right now. It's uh, very late on Thursday night, and I'll tell you why I'm doing this on Thursday instead of Fridays like I usually do. But the CHL Top Prospect game went on Wednesday. Uh, Team White and Team Red. White winning that game by a score of 3-1. to one. Jagger Furkus with a goal and an assist, earning himself a player of the game for Team White. Uh, Shane Wright scored the only goal for Team Red. And uh, he was named player of the game for that. I thought uh, Reed Dick of the Swift Current Broncos uh, looked really good in net. Mason Bullpit also did not allow a goal. But I do have a guest who is going to recap uh, the top prospect game. You can always let me know what you thought of the event. At TPS underscore Guy is how you follow me on Twitter. Always happy to interact with uh, listeners. And here's something I haven't asked for a while. Let me know on Twitter how long you've been listening to the Pipeline Show for, how you learned about the Pipeline Show, and where you're listening from, because my audience, I discover, is uh, all over the world. I get messages from people throughout Canada, throughout the United States, into uh, Europe, like Sweden and Finland. 
You wouldn't expect me to get the messages from people in Singapore or Thailand or Australia, but I have, which is fantastic. In the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League last weekend, uh, a historic night for the first time in 20 years, it wasn't just guys playing for the Gatineau Olympique, as Eve Gascon was in net for the Olympique. She didn't get the win, but she played really well. Hopefully not the last time we'll see her uh, in the queue this year. Wasn't really busy in the first period. I started watching probably with a couple of minutes left to go in period number one. Um, unfortunately, the first shot that I saw her take when I was watching the game uh, was a goal, so that that was unfortunate, but made some big saves, and I saw the highlights of uh, the parts I missed, and she was uh, made some big saves in the first period as well, even when she didn't face a ton of shots. So good showing for her in what I'm sure was a, a situation where you would understand she was probably feeling pretty nervous and excited at the same time, but a little bit of pressure, and she performed well. The NCAA National Tournament is underway, but the conference championships wrapped up last weekend and controversy uh, between in the final game between uh, Bemidji State and Minnesota State in the CCHA playoffs. Really unfortunate the way that turned out. It looked like Minnesota State had scored in overtime. They celebrated on the ice. Trophy was awarded. Photos taken. Everybody leaves the ice. The referees leave 25 minutes, maybe 35 minutes later. After reviewing the goal, they decide uh, it was not a goal. The uh, puck had actually gone in from the outside of the net. But fortunately, after restarting the uh, the game in overtime, uh, the same team scored. So I think they did it right. They made the right decision. Unfortunately, I think they made the right decision about a half an hour too late. But it is what it is. You move on from there. And, and then, lo and behold, as I'm speaking with you right now, day one of the national tournament uh, just wrapped up four games today which for most of you listening, it will be four games uh, yesterday, uh, and some controversy in the North Dakota and Notre Dame affair, as uh, Notre Dame appears to score with 0.3 seconds left in uh, the third period, which would have given them the victory. The goal goes to review. The camera angle from above the net that had the inlay of the uh, time clock clearly showed that it was not a goal. However, the regular TV angle... You can see the green light comes on, which is the official end of the period. Uh, that comes on well after the goal, and I say well after, probably half a second after the puck is in the back of the net. So controversy ensues again. They they review it. Uh, they declare it's not a goal, so that game goes into overtime. Notre Dame ends up winning anyway with a uh, power play goal. Uh, so in my opinion, the NCAA kind of dodges a couple of bullets there as uh, controversial goals the same team scored uh, what would be eventually the, the game winner anyway, so they kind of get out of it in, in that situation. Uh, that's the news and notes uh, portion of this show. Uh, I guess I can spoil it for you. I do have a guest that's coming up to uh, set up the national tournament. Obviously, a couple of those, four of those games have already happened. Denver has just beaten UMass Lowell. They will play Minnesota Duluth as uh, the Bulldogs beat Michigan Tech. Notre Dame, as I mentioned, beating North Dakota, and uh, they will play Minnesota State who uh, just got past uh, Harvard, that one close, though, 4-3. So on Friday, we've got Michigan uh, playing against American International. Uh, Quinnipiac will take on St. Cloud. That's the regional in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, and in Worcester, Massachusetts. It's going to be Western Michigan against Northeastern and Minnesota against Massachusetts, which uh, might be the game of the opening round, in my opinion. That's all the news and notes I'm going to give you, though, because I want to get this episode out. And that's why I'm doing it on Thursday night, because the National Tournament has already started. Rather than uh, sending the show out 
you know, Friday afternoon, uh, because then another couple of the uh, national tournament games will be done. I want to get this out ASAP, so I'm going to finish it off tonight. Unite Owls might actually uh, be able to listen to it here in a couple of hours. So uh, without further ado, a reminder that all my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. The Troubled Monk Brewery is in Red Deer, Alberta. They've got a tap room, glorious. You can go in there, you get some exclusive uh, beverages right uh, at the tap room. Uh, but if you're in uh, Calgary or Edmonton, you can uh, place your order online at troubledmonk.com shop. And then go pick up at a couple of different farmers markets in either city. All the instructions, all the details, right on the Troubled Monk website at troubledmonk.com/shop. Here is who is on tap today as guests. We're going to start with a, a couple of 2022 draft spotlight segments. The first of which is a, a player that a lot of people I think expected to be at the CHL Top Prospect game this week, but was not. I spoke with him the night of the top prospect game. His name is Jordan Dumay. He plays for the Halifax Mooseheads in the queue, leading that team in scoring. Uh, we'll get to know him. Then from there, we'll speak with a player who played high school hockey in Minnesota. He was a finalist for the Mr. Hockey Award in Minnesota. He has now moved on to the Omaha Lancers of the USHL to finish out this season. His name is Alex Bump. We'll get to know him. Then we'll get to Chris Peters from Daily Faceoff as uh, we set up the NCAA National Tournament. And we're uh, not just doing the first round. We're doing rounds one, two, the Frozen Four, and uh, our national champion predictions as well. So uh, a long segment there with Chris Peters. That's almost a 40-minute segment. And we will wrap things up with Stephen Ellis from the Hockey News as he recaps the uh, top prospect game in the Canadian Hockey League. All of that coming up on today's show. We'll start with a 2022 draft spotlight with Jordan Dumay from the Halifax Mooseheads. He is up first here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Azarev, still with the puck. Fires across and they score! Pierre-Luc Dubois on the one-timer, wires it past Bo Taylor. Hey, it's Gerald Dubois from the Cape Breton Screen Eagles, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks, a lot, a whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with... If one of y'all says some silly ass name, this whole class is going to feel my wrath. Gee Flaming. Son of a bitch! Welcome back to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It is Alberta's best beef jerky. You go to wilhockbeefjerky.com 
If you live anywhere in Western Canada, you can have it shipped to you, any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, uh, which unfortunate for my next guest. Uh, I don't know if you're uh, a big beef jerky fan or, or not, Jordan, but uh, you're too far out east. You can't get any Wilhawk. But uh, we're going to turn on the 2020 draft spotlight, or 2022 draft spotlight, that is. Get to know another player eligible for the upcoming draft, and uh, this time we're heading out to Halifax. Uh, Jordan Dumay uh, of the Mooseheads, welcome to the program, uh, Jordan. How are you? Thank you, and I'm doing good. Yeah, how are you? I'm doing uh, terrific. Uh, I appreciate uh, that you made the time to come on the show this week and that you were available. I know this is a a, a busy time. You guys, well, the, the queue took six weeks off in the middle of the season because of COVID, and you get back in action it feels like it's a sprint towards the playoffs now. Uh, how are things going for you in the Mooset? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's been really busy these days. I mean, we've had games, uh, multiple games a week, and um, I mean, it's fun. I mean, it gets it gets hard at times, you know, when you know, you're on the ice so many times, and um, mm-hmm. you know, just, your schedule gets packed. But I mean, at the end of the day, you just get better, and uh, you just gotta do what you gotta do, and uh, yeah, it's fun at the end of the day. So I know it's been a bit of a challenge lately for the Moose as uh, two wins in your last ten games. Uh, what's gone wrong? Um, I don't know. I think we're playing good teams, obviously. I mean, the Maritime Division is pretty stacked this year. But, yep. um, yeah, it's had a little rough stretch. You know, at the beginning of the season, we're doing really well. And, I mean, obviously it happens. You get some tough stretches. Um, important part about them is just to bounce back even harder and learn from them especially and make sure it doesn't happen in the playoffs. But, um, yeah, I mean, we won last game. And hopefully we could build off that to win some more. So, Well, and for yourself, 69 points this year in 51 games, 22 of those are goals. That's a monster season already, and, and lots of games still to go. Uh, but March has been a bit of a, a challenge for you. You're coming off a four-point night, but outside of that, you've only had four points the rest of the uh, the, the rest of the month. Uh, everybody has ups and downs. Do you know what the reason for the down is in March so far, and have you come out of it now, hopefully, knock on wood, after a four-point game against Drummondville? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just one of those months. You know, I mean, as a team, we haven't been doing really good. But, um, I mean, it's my role to step up at the end of the day. And, um, I mean, it hasn't been my best month, obviously. But um, hopefully I'm just getting out of it. I had a good last game. Hopefully I could build off of that. But, I mean, just made, I knew it was going to happen eventually. You just get your ups and downs during the season. Not everything's perfect. But um, just focusing on bouncing back and having a good rest of the season. So Yeah, I think uh, you can almost look at the rest of the season. And uh, there's maybe a handful of games where you didn't hit the score sheet. And uh, March was, for whatever reason... Just a little bit different than that. What were your expectations coming into this year, uh, Jordan, uh, considering everybody is coming off of COVID last situa- last season, so the shortened season and, and uh, the stops and starts uh, throughout the year last year. What did you expect from yourself this year, and, and have you surpassed your own expectations? Um, I, knew what I, ca- I knew what I was capable of, obviously. I mean, I worked a lot during the summer and last year. I mean, we were lucky to play in the queue, and um, I mean, it was a hard season to play Charlottetown a lot. They're a great team, and um I just think I learned a lot last year. I took a bunch of uh, my experience and uh, I brought it to this year. And um, I knew if I worked hard and everything, I mean, the sky was the limit for the season. But um, I think I'm pretty proud of my season uh, till this point. And um, hopefully for the last, I think, 18 games we have, 17 games, I uh, could continue playing well. So, Considering you were stuck playing against just the Maritime teams last year, a lot more fun this year to, to be able to see some other uh, teams coming through Halifax and going into Quebec and playing there. Oh yeah, it's all fun. Yeah, I mean you play different teams. Um, and the fans you you play in different rinks, and uh, you have a little road trips. You have some fun with the guys. So I mean it's a great experience overall. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward for us this season and next year too. So in your rookie year, 29 points, 40 games that year, and obviously I mentioned uh, that you're way past those numbers already this season. Is that just natural? Do you expect that from one year to the next? So you're just going to have that uh, that big jump in production, 
Or is this because of something that you've done in the off season to prepare for this year? You're getting more opportunity maybe than you had last year now that you're not a rookie in the league? Yeah, I mean, it's a, bit, it's a mix of everything. You know, I knew I was, I mean, I was, I was hoping to get a lot better, obviously. I mean, you always hope to always boost your stats and just play better and grow as a person. And with maturity, you start playing better. But I definitely knew I was going to play better than last year. And, um, yeah, just a matter of I have the same teammates, played with LaRue and Denoye and all those guys did a check last year. And um, just brought all their chemistry and everything into this year. And uh, I think everything's just been clicking. I mean, obviously, you have some ups and downs every once in a while. But overall, it's just been a good season. So. Right now, the Moosehead's sitting sixth in the Eastern Conference, but you're only two points back at Ramuski and not that far away from St. John and, and Bathurst, although those two teams right now are red hot. You are playing Bathurst uh, later this week, uh, so that obviously a big game on the schedule. You mentioned how strong the, the Maritime Division is. Uh, you can't afford to have a a, a, a week night or a week performance. you you got to bring your best every night, and that probably helps get you prepared for the playoffs yeah exactly i mean it's hard to play those teams i mean uh, the grind and everything by the end of the day we just learn from them and um, it, it's good for ourselves and as players you, you get better from playing better players obviously and them um, when we go into those games just make sure we got to work hard and we know who we're going against I mean, we play them uh lots of times during the year but um yeah we just gotta gotta make sure we come out strong against those guys and make sure we all work them especially because skill-wise i mean pretty close both teams but we gotta beat them with hard work so Jordan Dume is my guest. He's a forward with the Halifax Mooseheads. And uh, Jordan, what we like to do in this part of the show is let my audience get to know somebody that's draft eligible like you are. And uh, the Pipeline Show is a junior and college hockey show, so my regular listeners will know about the Mooseheads and know about the Q. Uh, but there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who will listen to a segment like this just simply because you're a draft eligible player. And they might be from Europe or the States or Western Canada and never get to see the Mooseheads play. So for the benefit of those people, let's uh, get a bit of background, if you don't mind. Uh, where'd you grow up? Um, I was always from Montreal. I mean, I was born in Montreal. Um, two parents, and I have a little brother. And um, when I was a young age, around like seven, I moved to New York City from a from my dad's job. I moved there for three years, and um, that's pretty much where I started hockey too. So, um, I mean, I moved back to eventually from New York. Um, I think I was in New York for about three years, and then I moved back to the West Island here in Montreal. And um, yeah, I mean, from there, I've been playing my uh, Bantam Peewee years in the West Island and everything. So, um, yeah, I've been a Montreal guy, but I lived in New York for a bit. So, I guess, what was the, was there a big difference between minor hockey in New York compared to minor hockey in the Montreal area? Um, can't really tell you. I don't really remember exactly everything, but, um, yeah, at a young age, I mean, everything's pretty much the same. I mean, you just try to play your best everywhere and, um, right. you know, you make friends everywhere you play. So you're a forward Jordan. Have you always been a forward? Did you ever play uh, the blue line or heck even throw the pads on? <laughs> no, I've never played any other position. No, I mean, I, I'm a winger right now, but I've played center before, but I've never changed positions, though. Okay. I, I've asked a lot of players, and maybe when you were like uh, six or seven, maybe your your team didn't have a full-time goaltender, so everybody had to take their turn in net. Did you, did you have a, an <laughs> opportunity like that? No, I don't think I have. No, I know okay. what you're talking about. I mean, everyone goes through that in the younger years, but uh, I don't remember being a goalie, no. Okay. Now, you mentioned your brother. That's uh, Justin, right? Yep. A couple years younger than you are. Uh, also playing, he's playing in an academy right now too. Isn't it the same academy that you went to, or a different one? Uh, it's kind of the same. Uh, the hockey program's the same. I mean, after after I went to my prep school, like the whole the hockey program kind of switched like schools. But um, yeah, it's the same hockey program. It's called like Selects Academy. But yeah, it's pretty much the same environment that I was in. So okay, uh, he's a forward as well. Like correct? Uh, is he? You know, I have an older brother, and when I was a kid, I just wanted to do whatever my older brother was doing. Is he following in your footsteps uh, to some degree? 
He somewhat is, you know. I mean, he I told him he saw what I did at prep school and um, I told him how fun it was. And it's a good opportunity to go to prep school. Obviously, you just you mature really quicker. You live away from home and build new friends. You go on road trips and everything. It's pretty fun. But um, yeah, he's kind of following my footsteps. I mean, to a point where he has to choose where he goes for junior. I mean, that's all going to be up to him. But um, yeah. Now you played Selects Academy. I know it's in the states, but I don't know where in the states. So where was that? And how how did you end up there? Uh, it was in Connecticut. Okay. Um, I mean. One of my friends, uh, David Goyette, I mean, we're kind of close friends growing up, and um, our parents are close, and uh, we're kind of a bit of a group decision to go there together. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just thought it was a good opportunity for me to go to prep school and maybe look at my uh, NCAA offers and all that just to get more exposure. And, um, yeah, it was a good experience overall, and I don't regret it at all. Well, a huge season uh, that year, the year you were drafted uh, by the Mooseheads, 125 points in 52 leagues. I don't know if goaltending was optional in that league or, or what, but those are those are crazy offensive numbers. Uh, when you look back at that, was it almost too easy? No, I don't think it was. No, I mean, obviously, every once in a while you have some easy games, but, I mean, we played in Ontario a lot. I mean, we had three tournaments there. Almost half our games were in Ontario and all that, but I just think wow. we, had a, we had a really good team. I mean... I think we're top three in the States, and if you look at our lineup, we have a good few first lines. So, Well, uh, first-round pick by the uh, the Mooseheads that year in 2020, 18th overall. I, I imagine there's some pressure that goes along with that. Obviously, the Mooseheads used a, a first-round pick. They expect a certain level of player, and the fan base is going to expect that you're a difference maker. Uh, does anybody put more pressure or maybe have higher expectations for you than you do, though? Um, no, I think I always have the highest ex- expectations. You know, I mean, I've always been a pretty underrated guy. Even 18th overall, I didn't have really much pressure on me. Hmm. But, um, yeah, I just made sure I always work my hardest, and um, I knew what I'm capable of. It's just about hard work, so. All right. I know you that you were also drafted by the Tri-City Storm of the uh, USHL. You talked about trying to keep your NCAA options open, and, and you, it sounds like you considered going the college path. Why uh, eventually did you choose the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League? Yeah, I just think it was a better um, better route to develop my skill and um, play a lot of games, you know, in the Q route. And um, Halifax is obviously a hard offer to turn down. I mean, it's a great spot here. It's one of the best junior, junior teams in the in the country. So, I mean, it was just too hard to turn down. And um, I don't regret coming here at all. It's a great spot and everything. So, uh, Did COVID play a role at all? Just because, I mean, you're Canadian, maybe stay in Canada during the, the pandemic with a little bit easier. No, I don't think it did. No, I mean, okay. if I wanted to go to the USHL, I would have just went, with, no matter the COVID things, but yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about the draft. And I wonder how much you spend thinking about the the NHL draft. Most players, when I have them on the show, I wouldn't say most, probably half the players will tell me they, they don't want to think about the draft because they don't want it to be become a distraction and take away from the way they're playing. Other players tell me that they actively seek out to see who's got them ranked where, whether it's TSN or Sportsnet or Central Scouting. Uh, what about for you, uh, Jordan? Do you, are you a guy who look thinks and uh, and checks things out like that, like the rankings? Oh yeah, I check the rankings now that yeah. When I see them on my social media and all that, I'll see. I look at them. Um, I know to a certain extent I can't really control like whether what the draft is, whoever drafts me, and all that. All I could do is control how I play on the ice and all that. So I try not to think too much of it off the ice. But um, yeah, you know, as time goes, you gotta. At the end of the day, like I said, you can't really control it. So all you could do is just work out on the ice and then focus on your things and good things will come. So, Well, tell me what your things are. Uh, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, and, and I am in that category, I haven't been able to watch the, the Mooseheads this year, uh, what should I expect if, if I tune in and watch a game? What should I expect from Jordan Dume on a nightly basis? Yeah, you know, I think I'm a really offensive forward. I mean, um, I got a lot of skill. I mean, I also got a lot of heart. No, I'm not scared to go in front of the net in the corners at all. And um 
I think I'm really hard worker, obviously, and um, yeah, my skill takes into place. I think I'm I'm a playmaker. I mean, I have a good shot too, but my, I'm a pass first type of guy, and um, yeah, I like to win games and I help my team win games. So the, the sheet I'm looking at says five foot nine, 165 pounds. Is that uh, up to date? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm still around there. I mean, I gained a bit of weight, but yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't asked you about size. We're 15 minutes into this interview, and I haven't mentioned your height at all. Have you stopped growing? Uh, no, I've been growing. I mean, um, not not much, but I've, I've been growing a bit every year. Hopefully, I grow I grow a bit more. But at the end of the day, I try to focus on things I could control. So. Yep. And it hasn't held you back at all. Uh, I wonder why. What what do you do on the ice where size doesn't seem to be a, a big factor for you? I mean, it hasn't prevented you from having success at all here in the last two or three seasons. Yeah, you know, I don't really think of it, honestly. I, I don't go on the ice and think people are bigger than me at all. I don't. I never really thought it that way. I, but, um, yeah, I mean, I just try to use my quickness to get around guys and all that. And uh, I'm not scared of anyone. I'll go in the corner, even the guy's 6'5", so. I don't really think of it that way. So Well, we've seen players your size over the years. Marty St. Louis, now the GM of the Montreal Canadiens, who is that type of player. We've got a guy here in Edmonton, Kyler Yamamoto, who's your size. And, man, he's a tenacious bulldog, throws his body around more than most uh, other players uh, on the Oilers. Yeah. Guys like that, are, I mean, are there players that you've kind of looked to and said, that guy's having success and he's my size, I could play like him? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, if all those guys could do it, I, I, I'm the same height as them. I mean, obviously, I think I can. I mean. I look up to the guy Patrick Kane, one of my favorite players, and I think I play like him. But right. I'll see those low guys on the ice, like Point, Dan Amato, like you said. I mean, all those guys. I mean, I look at them too, see what they do on the ice, things that get like um, they get away from their height. You know, like the smaller guys, what are they do on the ice? Try to get tips from them. So. Uh, the CHL Top Prospect game is going on this week. You know, I got to ask you because uh, there's only 40 players that get invited. You might have been number 41 on the list or something, but a lot of people said, "Why isn't uh, Jordan Dume uh, part of this event?" How disappointing was that for you? Uh, it was pretty unfortunate at the beginning. I mean, uh, obviously, a few days went by, I didn't really care anymore. But um, hmm. uh, it would have been cool to go there. But at the end of the day, I can't really control it, and um, it's whatever at this point. So, well, the, some of the response uh, from well, not just the fans, but teammates, Zachary Larue tweeted out about. You know, his his he was a little uh, upset. Uh, what does that mean to you when you, you got buddies that are standing up for you like that? Yeah, yeah, it shows a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's huge, huge, it's huge for him to do that. I mean, I'm pretty happy that he did, and um, shows a lot about him how good of a leader he is and all that. So, I mean, it was good to see that people supporting me. So, before you get to the next level, Jordan, what sort of things do you have to work on in your your game the most? Do you think uh, before you can get there and have success at at the professional level? Uh, I'm not a slow guy, but I definitely need to get my speed up. I mean, um, I'm a smaller guy, so I need to be faster than the average guy. Right. But, um, yeah, a few little things. I mean, shoot the puck a little more, a little things like that. Maybe my defense a bit. But, yeah, just a few things I'll work on, and hopefully I'll bring it to the next level. So, Have your line mates have been the same pretty much all season long, or have you been playing with a lot of different guys? I know you've got 51 games, and Elliot uh, Denoyer has got 44, and, and, the, and LaRue's only played 37. So I know the three of you are leading the team in scoring, but – uh, obviously, you didn't play every game together. No, we don't play every game together. No, even when we we've had a little tough stretch in the past month, March, and all that. So mm -hmm. switched lines a bunch of times. But I mean, it started off me didn't weigh Larue, but I was only for a few games. I think they switched it out a bit to even out the lines a bit. So I mean, I've been going through the first, second line, Vitacek and Dinoyer, always the two first centers. So I rotate with them, but usually with Dinoyer. So 
Okay. Well, and Zach's uh, suspended half the year, so you know, you know how that goes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, what, what do you find is your role on the team outside of being, I mean, you're the leading scorer, so obviously you're dependent on uh, from that perspective, but I mean, are you a guy that can play power play and penalty kill? I don't, I don't get to see the Mooseheads play. So, uh, are you playing all facets of the game? Uh, no, I'm not playing all of them. No, I play power play. I mean, I, I play everything. I don't play PK. Okay. I mean, I could play PK, but I think other guys deserve that ice time. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm a leader on the team. I mean, I try to show by example and obviously try to win games. I mean, I'm an offensive guy. Put the puck in the net a lot. Try to do that for my team. But uh, yeah, I think all around them. Try to do the most I can for the team. Uh, being a, a Montreal guy, does that mean you're a Habs fan growing up, or were you cheering for somebody else behind enemy lines? Like, don't tell me you're a, a Leafs fan or something. <laughs> no, but I'm actually a Rangers fan. Okay, uh, I lived in New York. That's where I started hockey and all that. So I kind of, kind of first team I was into. That makes sense. All right. Well, listen, Jordan, I really appreciate your time. I, I enjoyed this a lot. Uh, I wish you and the Mooseheads the best of luck uh, the rest of the way and uh, whatever happens at the draft. Thanks for being available. Yeah, thank you for having me here, yeah, for sure. There's Jordan Dumay from the Halifax Mooseheads. The Mooseheads struggling. He was struggling in March, but uh, they got a big win against Drummondville, and he had a four-point game, so maybe that's all in the rearview mirror. Before March, man, he was rolling. In fact, up until the first couple of games of March, I think he had like a 15- or 16-game point streak going. Uh, Jordan Dumay having a terrific season, and I'm one of the guys, just based on stats, Surprised he's not at the uh, top prospect game this week, but maybe a second, third, maybe if he's uh, available in the fourth round, could you maybe he's like a Tyler Tulio kind of guy uh, playing for the Oshawa Generals, that sort of player, perhaps, if not higher. You know, I threw at the Kyler Yamamoto as a undersized guy who plays that tenacious style and can be an offensive weapon as well. We'll see. Dume may be some sort of a draft day wild card. Another guy who might be a wild card is a uh, high school player this past year, now off to the USHL, now that the high school season is done. But he was a Mr. Hockey finalist. Let's get to know Alex Bump next in another edition of the 2022 Draft Spotlight. That's next here on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hey, it's John Farinacci from the Dexter Southfield School, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. They used to tell me, boy, you ain't going nowhere. With the cheap guitar and your big long hair. Five-time Alberta Junior Hockey League champions, the Spruce Grove Saints, are back and welcoming fans to the Grant Fuhrer Arena for the 2021-22 season. A community-minded Junior A hockey organization offering affordable family entertainment. Tickets to Big League Hockey at affordable family rates range from $9 to $15 with free parking and some of the best food and drink specials in town. For more information on tickets and how you can become a partner, go to sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. All right, we're back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And uh, the program, of course, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best beef jerky you've ever had. Go to Wilhock, that's W-I-L-H-A-U-K, beefjerky.com. Uh, but you got to be in Western Canada to be able to get it. Uh, they will ship it to you, but you have to be in Western Canada. 
All right, my next guest, another a player eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. So it's a 2022 draft spotlight segment. And uh, my guest in this segment, well, it's interesting because he's played for a couple of different teams this year. He started in Omaha, then went back to high school, back in Omaha now, now that the uh, high school season is over. Uh, his name is Alex Bump, uh, and he was supposed to be on last week, but uh, he bumped me to uh, this week. Uh, Alex, welcome to the Pipeline Show, man. How are you? Thank you. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, this is a is, is it a hectic time for you now because you just went from the high school uh, uh, league prior lake where you were playing and you just got through the Minnesota State High School Tournament and now you're uh, back in Omaha playing for the Lancers? Is it a little bit of time here to put your feet up, rest for a bit? I'm getting there. I'm just settling right now, so I mean, not a lot of time to rest, just playing hockey. Well, how you feeling about the way this season has gone for you? I would have to think pretty good. You're a finalist. You were a finalist for the Mr. Hockey uh, Award in uh, Minnesota State. The numbers you're putting up, uh, both with Prior Lake and in Omaha earlier this year, and I know you just scored in your most recent game. I, I have to think you're pretty happy with the way the season's gone. What were your expectations at the start of the year, and are you surprised? Uh, maybe with the numbers that you're putting out, have you surprised yourself with how much success you've had? Yeah, I mean, we start. I started slow this this season. Um, I mean, the team started slow. We we were like four and seven at the beginning of the year, and then we we kind of picked it up at the end. But I mean, my team was was pretty solid. I'd say. I mean, we didn't have the start we wanted, but I mean, it was pretty easy with the guys I was playing with. Uh, they're both high-end players, and, I mean, they helped me put up those points I put up. So, I mean, I, I give a lot of credit to them, too. That's a prior lake. So you had 83 points this year. 48 of those were goals in only 31 games uh, playing for prior lake. You were the captain this year. That's got to be a, a thrill, isn't it, to uh, finish out your high school career as uh, wearing that C? Yeah, I mean, watching prior lake high school, my bo- both my brothers played there, and both were captains. I mean, <laughs> I just kind of dreamed of wearing that C there. And I mean, it happens, so it's it's an honor. Can you give my audience a, a perspective of what the high the Minnesota State High School tournament is like? I mean, you get to wrap up at Staples Center, but just that process, because it, even you know, listen, I'm in Canada. We don't have the high school system that you guys do for for hockey. It's a much different system up here. But in Minnesota, it's it's a lot different than the rest the the rest of the country, isn't it? I mean, it's the yeah. state of hockey, so. Can you give us a bit of a, your perspective on it as a player, just how crazy it is? Well, I mean, growing up playing in Minnesota, I mean, there's not really much to say. I mean, I think it's the best best high school hockey you can get in America, but people might might beg to differ, I guess. But, I mean, making, to, making it to the state tournament is, I mean, a dream. Watching, that, watching the X just fill up, you're sitting on the bench looking around, completely empty and then once you step on the ice for warm-ups it's it's getting halfway there and then <laughs> finally at game time it's, it's full so i mean it's it's pretty wild to be playing in front of those that crowd well and you, so you get to finish your career uh we're in the captaincy the 83 point season of uh, this year uh really impressive uh finish for you uh now you started the year in omaha and you've rejoined them now um, getting to play for them at the end of the year, did, do you think it helps that you started there earlier this season and you played, what, 14 games uh, in the fall with uh, with the Lancers? So it's it's not like you're going into a dressing room and you don't know anybody? Well, I mean, since I've been here and now that I'm back, we kind of made a lot of trades, so it's been different for sure. Sure. Um, we, we, I mean, we probably traded half our team away, and I only knew about half the guys coming in here. But, I mean, <laughs> okay. it's been good so far. I've met a lot of new people. So, I mean, it's nice. It's 
definitely helped both being the beginning of the year, um, getting used to the playing style and just, you know, playing like playing 14 games definitely helps come back and have a good playoffs. I seem to recall there is a coaching change along the way here too, uh, and some upheaval yeah. and, and yeah, some chaos. That's right. Uh, but that was all while you were back in high school, right? You weren't around uh, the Lancers at that point. No, I was not here. I yeah. was here for the first one, but I left as soon as the second coach got in town. All right. Well, we'll skip all of that for you then, uh, and we won't uh, worry too much about that. So this past weekend, you get to uh, into a couple of games, and you score. So you feel the, the success you had at the high school level is it just carrying over and you feeling pretty confident about your game right now? Uh, yeah, I mean it's definitely it's, it's different. I mean, it's it's definitely a higher level of hockey, but scoring two games in is definitely a confidence booster. So it's 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 been nice. Well, your stat line for the uh, the Lancers this year in 16 games, they got 12 points. Um, that's that's pretty darn good. Uh, Alex Bump is my guest. He's uh, eligible for the upcoming 2022 NHL draft. Uh, Alex, um, the Pipeline Show is a junior and college hockey show, so there'll be regular listeners of mine who are familiar with Minnesota State Hockey and the USHL, but there will be a lot of casual NHL fans who uh, will be listening to a segment like this simply because you're a draft-eligible player. They may never have seen a high school game or know anything about the USHL, so for the benefit of those listeners, maybe let's get some background on you. Uh, Where are you from? Lake, Minnesota. Uh, grew up there my whole life. Do you remember uh, how old you were when you first started playing, and, and who got you into hockey? Um, I first started skating when I was about three years old. Um, I think I put a stick in my hand when I was probably five. Okay. Um, and I think, I mean, it kind of just came out of nowhere. My brother started playing. They, they're not from here, actually. From Cleveland, Ohio. So okay. we moved here because of my dad's job. Started playing hockey. Because of, I mean, it's state of hockey. How can't you not play hockey there? <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, and you got two older brothers, you said. Yeah. So whatever they were doing, as you know, when you're, a, I have an older brother too. When I was a kid, it was just tag along and see whatever the older brothers do, and I want to do the same thing. A little bit the same for you. Exactly. Yeah. You want you want to do whatever they're doing. So were they both forwards as well? Uh, no, one of them was a defenseman. Okay, so why was uh, you know forward the right fit? For you, when one brother's a forward, one's a defenseman, were you, did you kind of toy with being a blue line, or did you try the blue line? Um, no, I never tried that. I did I did try and run the blue line on the power play, though. <laughs> but that didn't work out. Okay. Uh, I know a lot of players will tell me when they were really young, maybe you know seven, eight years old or something, maybe their minor hockey team didn't have a full-time goaltender, so the coach makes every guy take his turn and put the pads on. Did you have one of those uh, games? Yes, I did, actually. How'd that go? I mean, it was fine. Uh, the, the goalie actually played out. So we did have a goalie, but we, we like, switched for a game. So I got to try goalie. I, I like to ask guys about how much they, they how much time they spend thinking about the draft because I'm curious. It's it's You'll be in one of two camps. A lot of guys will tell me they don't think about it at all because they are afraid they'll get distracted by, you know, looking at rankings and things, whereas there are other guys who tell me they want to know where, where people have them ranked because they use that as motivation. Uh, what about for you, Alex? I try not to think about it too much, but I mean it definitely pops in my mind every now and then. But I like to I like to know where I'm at. It gives me some some motivation to do better, I guess. All right. So when Central Scouting has you ranked at 69 in in North America, do you notice that, or do some of your teammates say, "Hey, look what I see"? I mean, I follow like 
social media accounts that post it. So I, I, I usually see it. Gotcha. But I mean, at the beginning of the year, I didn't even know that I was on it. Well, that, I was going to ask you about that because I'm not sure what the with COVID what the situation was like for you. It looks like you played a number of games in high school for Prior Lake last season, but probably not a full season. Uh, how how much uh, maneuvering did your your club team have to do uh, around COVID? So we, I think we lost like six games, maybe uh, like the regular season. Okay, but we if we had an if we had an away game, we would have to get dressed at our rink, drive to the other rink and then leave as soon as the game is over. So we had to walk out in full gear, basically. So that wasn't too fun. It kind of lost a year of high school hockey, getting, like, the crowds and memories. But, right. I mean, it was, it was still a good time. Wow, and driving to and from the uh, the games fully dressed in your equipment, it's kind of like when you're six years old and, you, and your mom gets you dressed at home. <laughs> home dressing, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. A little stinkier on the way home, though. Uh, that would be gross. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, so... It, obviously, it, it, the uh, the lack of uh, a full season last year hasn't really hampered you. Uh, why do you think that is? Did you do other training to kind of improve yourself and, and further your development and get you set for this year? Yeah, um, I I usually skate skate like separately, like two or three times a week last year since COVID. Hmm. It's kind of different. So I, I tried to skate as much as possible during that just to get ahead of people. The sheet I'm looking at lists you at six feet tall and 194 pounds, but I don't know how up to date that is. Uh, is that close to correct? Uh, yeah, that's close to correct. I think that was at the beginning of USHL season. Oh, okay. Um, so is that still what you're at? Yeah, have you grown another half an inch or something? Or maybe, maybe yeah, maybe another inch, half an inch, maybe. I'm probably around 194 too. How tall are your brothers? Uh, one of them's. Six two six one. The other one's like five ten. Oh, so you're right in between. Right in between. Yep. Well, tell me before you get to the next level, what's what areas of your game do you think you need to work on the most before you get to college? And we'll we'll talk about uh, your your college choice uh, in a little bit. But um, you know, when you're analyzing your own game, uh, I'm sure you see what your strengths and maybe your weak weaker areas are uh, that you want to focus in on. Uh, what can you tell me about that? I want to focus in on my quick like my accelerations and speed agility moving side to side a little bit quicker okay how do you do that i think just working on turf i think is and skating i mean i think just go on runs do ladders do agility stuff agility specific so is it muscle or is it uh technique or both i think it's technique muscle for like balance and getting knocked off the puck for for those of us who haven't had a chance to watch you play, give it. Can you give us a scouting report on yourself? What should what should we expect from an Alex Bump game uh, on a nightly basis? I'd say if you're gonna watch me. You're, you're gonna see me have the puck a lot. Um, it's gonna be hard to take the puck away from me. I kind of got the puck on a string, but I mean, I also can get bodied <laughs> by bigger guys. Sure. So expect the goal maybe. Well, that's where I was going to go next. With 83 points, 48 of those were goals, 35 assists. Do you see yourself more as a shooter or a, or the setup guy? Even in the the USHL, you got more goals than assists. Yeah, I'd say I'm more of a shooter. I'd I'd like to just get a shot on net rather than maybe not one. So okay. Um, now I know you're a forward. Are you a winger or a center? I'm a winger. Okay, on the left side, you're a left shot. Yeah. Uh, now tell me about Vermont. Uh, I know that is your your college of uh, choice. Uh, and is that next season, like this in in this fall, or are you playing another year in Omaha and then moving to uh, 
Vermont after that? I'm playing. I'm playing another year in Omaha right now. Okay. Um, I'll I'll go to, I'll go to college then in two years, I guess. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful campus out there. It's great. Got a good coaching staff and everything. So, how long ago did you commit there? Because I know Todd Woodcross, the coach, but he's only been there for well, this was his his second season, and you know, last year was kind of a a short season to begin with. But uh, when do you, how long ago did you commit? Um, November, so a couple months ago. Oh, okay. So not that long ago. So what was what was that process like? Yeah, did he did he ago. get a a visit? Did he get to go out there and check it out? Yeah, when I was here here uh, at first in Omaha, right? I went out for a visit like right after maybe like three weekends here. Mm-hmm. Went out for a visit, and then they gave me kind of a timeline of when I have to choose to if I'm going there or not. But yeah, I got a visit. It was awesome. I All loved right. it. I know the Catamounts have struggled the last number of years, um, but uh, Todd Woodcroft, a good coach, trying to turn the program around. Do you go there for hockey reasons or for academic reasons or a little bit of both? Uh, a little bit of both. I, I'm putting my trust into that coaching staff to get me to the next level of where I want to play. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, Vermont's a good academic school, so if hockey doesn't work out, I'll have a backup plan. Do you know what you're taking? I do not. Okay, that you know what that tells me you're a hockey player using school to further your career, not necessarily a student using hockey sure. to further your academics. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's not a criticism uh, at yeah. all. I think that's probably where most hockey players uh, fall into. Now, being you're uh, from Ohio originally, you were born in Ohio, or is that where your family was, and then you were born in Minnesota? That's where my family was, and then I was born in Minnesota. Okay, so being a Minnesota guy, does that automatically make you a, a Minnesota Wild fan, or were you cheering for somebody else? Um, I've got family in Colorado, so I like the Avs, but okay. yeah, I'm, I, I'm a wild fan. I kind of, kind of like, like my players and who I like to watch. And then I kind of just go off that. Well, then that's my next question. Uh, some guys, some guys, it's not a, a team, it's individual players through the league that they look to. Uh, and it sounds like you've got some, some favorite players scattered around the league. Who are some of those guys? I like to watch Nathan McKinnon. Um, I like Philip Forsberg. He's a, he's a fun player to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Barkov is, is a good one. Well, great stuff. Alex, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I'm gl- I was glad to uh, have been able to catch up with you this week. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way with Omaha this season and uh, whatever happens to the draft. And maybe we'll chat again once you're in Vermont with the Catamounts. Thank you. Sounds good. That was Alex Bump, who played for uh, Prior Lake High School this year and was a uh, Mr. Hockey nominee, uh, a finalist, as a matter of fact, at the end of the year. Uh, didn't get it, but uh, that's okay. What a fantastic season that he had. Uh, should be a great addition to Vermont, the Catamounts. I don't think they've had a big-name goal scorer. I'm thinking Ross Colton, probably the last big-time player that they've had, guy who's gone on to the NHL. I could be wrong. Correct me if I am. You can always find me on Twitter, at TPS underscore Gee. All right, speaking of college, next up we've got uh, Chris Peters from Daily Faceoff, and we are going to set up and break down the NCAA National Tournament. It's a long segment, so uh, make sure you got a cup of coffee, it's settle into a comfy chair, or maybe you're uh, taking the Pipeline Show on your uh, walk or something like that, or your long drive. Well, the next segment's going to kill about 40 minutes for you. Chris Peters and I break down, we'll give you our predictions and our picks for the NCAA National Tournament. That's next. Here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Adam Fantilli spins a pass, though. Samuel Scavage up tie, scores! 
The Stingray in overtime up high. Pierce is won by Corpy and Chicago wins a thriller. Four to three, Mackie Samoskevich, welcome back, Stingray. Hey, this is Mackie Samoskevich from the Chicago Steel, and this is the Pipeline Show. NCAA Hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Dylan Larkin. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Kevin Shattenkirk. And James Van Riemsdyk were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hi, everybody. Back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, but this is an NCAA campus report segment, so uh, our good friends at College Hockey, Inc. uh, are the folks to talk to if you're a player or you have a player in your family and they have questions about their maintaining their NCAA eligibility. Uh, Get in contact with uh, Mike Snee and the crew over at uh, collegehockeyinc.com. All right, my guest this week is uh, Chris Peters from uh, Daily Faceoff. We're going to look ahead to the uh, the national tournament in the NCAA. Uh, right now, you're in Kitchener to take in the uh, CHL top prospect game, but we're not going to bug you about that because we got enough to talk about when it comes to college hockey. And we have to start with what happened between Minnesota State and Bemidji uh, State in the CCHA uh, championship game. Goes to overtime. It looks like there's a goal. It's reviewed. And in fact, I saw it on Twitter and stuff before the actual announcement was made. I'm like, I don't think that went in. That looks like it goes underneath the net on the outside. And sure enough, a half an hour, 45 minutes later, they restart the overtime after they've awarded the trophy. It was complete chaos. And uh, it didn't look good for a while for the CCHA, but I want your take. Could you imagine being in that uh, situation, Don Lucia had to make the call. He was the commissioner of the, of the conference. Your take on what happened and what they did to resolve it and how things uh, worked out. Yeah, well, it, it's it's always hard when you're not on site for the game. I was a little bit up the road at, at, in Minneapolis at the Big Ten championship game, and I had actually seen, you know, like basically the only thing that I had seen was that Minnesota State tweeted that, you know, Josh Grohl scored and they were champs. And uh, then that was about it. And I was like, well, what? And then so I, I didn't see anything for a while. And then, you know, you start seeing the what happened with uh, that, the, that, the, that it was under review, that the trophy was already handed out, that everything was already done. And um, so obviously I started playing catch up there and trying to get in touch with people that were actually on the ground. Um, but in the end, so essentially – the CCHA made the right call. However, after reviewing a lot of different rules in the NCAA, they may have breached protocol in doing that because of end of game scenarios and you know what officially constitutes the end of a game. And, and there's maybe some wiggle room in interpretation. But let's say that Bemidji State ends up winning that game. That also would have knocked out Northeastern mm-hmm. from the national tournament. Um, which obviously isn't what you would want. Um, but so let's, let's also say the CCHA made the right call in that the goal should not have counted. Um, but the procedure that it was followed to get to that 
point uh, was all messed up. Yeah. And the only way that you could have fixed it is by getting it right, right away. And, and essentially the, you know, it sounds like there was just, they, they didn't look at every single angle. They, they, the, the leak said more angles became available. Um, it, it's really tricky to kind of figure it out. I mean, I, I'm glad that the right call was made. I think both coaching staffs were, were glad the right call was made. Um, if Bemidji State ended up winning, I'm sure that Northeastern would have had a lot to say about that. Mm-hmm. Um, potentially even, you know, filing a grievance or filing even a lawsuit at that point because of the severity, you know, how, how costly that would have been to them um, if the rules weren't followed properly. But yeah, that was certainly one of the weirdest things I've ever, ever seen in hockey, let alone college hockey. Um, and it's the first year of the CCHA. So uh, not the best way to start the, the league off in the biggest moment of the year. And, you know, you kind of turn yourself into a bit of a laughing stock. But I, at the end of the day, it wasn't a goal. And then Minnesota State ended up making sure that uh, ultimate chaos did not happen. Yeah, the way I described it, uh, my thought on Twitter when I uh, put it out was that they made the right call a half an hour too late, and it looks ugly. But mm-hmm. thankfully, the, the the same team scored, um, so it ended the kind of justifiably. And w- watching the press conference afterward, it seems like not only was the commissioner making that decision, but he had talked to both coaches, and it sounds to me like everybody was kind of on board with it. Uh, and agreed that it was just for the integrity of of the game, and considering you don't want Bemidji to lose that way, and with all their seniors and stuff like that, it just that would be horrible. So it was the right thing to do to let them basically replay the overtime. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I think uh, you know you certainly wish that they would have reached that decision sooner. Yes. Um, you know, maybe not hand the trophy out. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe don't take that drastic. You know, that step. But uh, yeah, it's it was it was a mess of a game, and uh, but yeah, in the end, <laughs> we're we're back to where we started. So uh, yeah, Minnesota State dominating that that league just as they did the WCHA before it. Yep. All right. Well, let's. Uh, that means they move on to the uh, 16 team uh, national tournament, and we've got the bracket. Uh, I've got mine filled out in front of me. I don't know if you uh, fill out a bracket every year or not, but uh, maybe we'll start with that bracket that uh, Minnesota's in the regional uh, with Minnesota State uh, taking on Harvard. And all of these are great matchups this year. I have a really hard time picking between a couple of them, uh, but maybe I'll get your takes. Uh, Minnesota State against Harvard and North Dakota is going to play Notre Dame. The two winners will meet, and that is in uh, Albany, New York. I I guess Minnesota State and Harvard, who do you like? Uh, well, you know, I, I think Minnesota, it's two very uh, divergent kind of styles. Um, and, and that's kind of what I like about this matchup most is that, you know, Harvard, you know, uh, they do have some grit to them as well, but they're definitely much more of a skilled team before they are, you know, the, the aggressively defensive team. Um, I think there's a lot of advantages for Minnesota State in this particular matchup, not the least of which being experienced. Harvard didn't have a season last year. Many of the players in their team are, are in their first year of college hockey. They basically, their freshmen and their sophomores are first-year college hockey players. But then you look at up and down the the lineup of Harvard, and you see Nick Abrazizi, you see Sean Farrell, you see Alex LaFerriere. Um, you know, the, they, they have so much skill throughout their lineup that it's going to be very difficult for um, Minnesota State to contain them. Minnesota State play the likes of Michigan this year. I've seen them play, um, you know, tough non-conference games as well 
and they're very battle tested. They made it all the way to the Frozen Four last year, and they have a lot of the same players back. Um, you know, I think Nathan Smith is one of the best players in the country. They have Dryden McKay, who's the all-time shutouts leader in yep. NCAA history, um, and they play the most competitive, physical brand of hockey that you could you could ask for. So I, I think Minnesota State style, the, the fact that they are much more of an, in the business of goal prevention and have the offensive players like Nathan Smith and Julian Napravnik and um, you know and Jake Livingstone, who's you know a top college free agent but likely going back you know they have they have the firepower to deal with harvard so i think that you know they have advantages in defense and in net and just in the way that they defend as a team so minnesota state is is who i would would expect to go through on that one uh and then the other side of that regionally uh, we have uh, north dakota and notre dame which uh, to me on paper looks like a pretty good matchup i'm taking north dakota in this one but i'm not sure exactly why and if that's crazy or not, because the Irish have played some pretty good hockey down the stretch. They they swept Michigan at the end of the regular season. Uh, how do you size up this matchup? Yeah, this is one of the probably the most one of the most evenly matched, and also a team two teams that play a very similar style. I think Notre Dame historically has been um, one of the best teams in terms of defending and and being difficult to play against. And now they also have two goaltenders, Matthew Galeta and Ryan Bischel, who have been outstanding behind a team that makes it really difficult to get through to him in the first place. And Galeta played at Cornell. Mm-hmm. He's a transfer. He's, you know, he's been really outstanding overall. And then, you know, the thing that Notre Dame has struggled with at times is finding the goals when they need them. Um, and they don't have the, you know, super consistent in that department, but they do have some talent. You know, Max Salas has had a big season. Ryder Rolston has had a big season. Um, you know, they have good guys on the back end, like, like Spencer Stasny as well, that, that can, can move pucks and, and get them up ice. And I, I think that the one thing that is going to be, uh, you know, the teams probably will, or that could sneak up on some teams is how fast Notre Dame is man to man. I mean, like they, they're one of the most mobile teams in the country and just really aggressive defensively. And as you mentioned, you know, they basically gave Michigan everything, you know, they didn't lose to Michigan this year. Um, in, in, we're able to, you know, have some pretty significant games against them, both at home and on the road, where they just, the top players on Michigan to get their game going. Um, you know, so to, to head over to, to North Dakota, we do not expect to see Jake Sanderson in this game. Um, and that is a significant loss for that team. I think that the, the, the Fighting Hawks are, have, have more depth offensively, but they don't have, that offensive player that absolutely scares you like the Brock Besters and Nick Schmaltz's of the world, the guys that they've had in years past, Jordan Kawaguchi last year. I mean, you know, they don't even have players like that. I think Reese Gaber, who is a sophomore has been one of their best offensive players um, on the blue line. They have Ethan Frisch, who's one of the best defenders in the country. Um, Tyler Clevin is probably one of the most physical, a really good goaltender in, in Zach Driscoll. Um, and, and on top of that, have a lot of kind of uh, transfer guys like Ashton Calder and, um, uh, you know, and Connor Ford. And, and there's some other players that that have come in as transfers that have really helped them. And, and that includes Driscoll. So um, in this particular game, I, I lean towards Notre Dame very slightly. 
Um, and that's mainly because of the absence of, of Jake Sanderson, who I think could be the, the biggest difference maker there. And, and I think that Notre Dame has the goaltending and the team defense to weather a very physical attack from North Dakota. All right. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I completely forgot about Jake Sanderson not being available. And then when I looked at the head-to-head, Notre Dame scored more and they've allowed fewer goals uh, as well uh, compared to North Dakota. Um, so you, you may just be uh, changing my mind on that one. I'm going to have to reset my brackets uh, before I enter them. It's into hard the to pick against North Dakota. I know it it's is hard to pick against North Dakota. And they no got question, so yeah. many fans that they're going to let me know about it too on Twitter. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, the, uh, the regional that's in Worcester, Massachusetts. And I, did I say that right? I know a lot of people will say Worcester, but I, I think it's Worcester. All right. It's Worcester. Yeah. Worcester. This one has one of these, <laughs> uh, the, the matchups in the opening round, that to me, I'm I'm debating. I'm going back and forth, back and forth, and that's Minnesota against Massachusetts, the defending champs taking on the Golden Gophers, and this to me is a pick'em. Uh, like I'm a coin flip on this one. Give me an argument for either team. Oh boy, yeah, Gee, this is, to me is the best matchup of the first round. Agreed. Certainly the one that I'm most excited to watch. I, I think that these are two exceptional college hockey teams. I would say that Minnesota is definitely the deeper team. But you're looking at a UMass squad that's been to the national championship twice the last two that have been held. You know, we didn't have one in 2020, but in 2019 and 2021, UMass was there. They won last year. Um, a big reason that, that they're there is because of Bobby Trevino. Mm-hmm. And he has he has a legitimate shot at winning the Hobie Baker. He was the Hockey East Player of the Year. Personally, I would have picked Evan Levi just because I think that he's had a historic season. Um, but Bobby Trevino, unquestionably, is the straw that stirs the drink for UMass and has been and, and was last year, too. He's the most outstanding player in the Frozen Four. Um, you know, they, they have a tremendous blue line in, in UMass, but it's very offensive. It's not it's not a tremendously defensive unit. They are a mobile unit. They defend by having the puck a lot, which is Scott Morrow and Ryan Ufko and Matt Kessel. Um, you know, those those outstanding this year and both Morrow and Ufko are freshmen. So, you know, they've gotten big contributions from them. They have a experience in that and Matt Murray. Um, you know, what helped them win the national championship last year, Philly Lindbergh, who is not there anymore, mm-hmm. um, signed with uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be, you know, can Murray be the guy that, that holds through? And, and I think, you know, the one thing that me, leads me to believe that, you know, I, I lean a little bit more towards Minnesota in this game is they have essentially four lines that can score. They have a much better decor defensively. Um, even though they've been a little inconsistent this year, they also have that puck moving element on the back end. They're extremely fast. They are extremely, uh, you know, one, you know, man to man. I think that the depth is, is not close, um, between the two teams, but that doesn't really matter. Um, because I do think that UMass's top end is, is enough to kind of keep up with what Minnesota has. Um, and then we just watched, you know, I was, I was at the Big Ten Championship where Minnesota got dominated by Michigan over the course of that game, both in possession and just, you know, in terms of precision. Um, but you look at that lineup, Ben Myers is the top college free agent. I mean, he's going to play NHL games as soon as he's ready to go, as soon as his season's over. Whoever signs him is going to want to get them in his line in the lineup. Unfortunately, he won't be eligible for the playoffs. So if it's a playoff team, they wouldn't be able to use them um, in that in that regard. But 
he's an exceptional player. You got Sammy Walker, who's also a co-captain, just plays with great speed and skill. Um, you know, Matthew Nyes, the Maple Leafs prospect, has been a dominant power forward. He scored two late goals when Minnesota was trying to get back into the game with the extra attacker out. Um, and they just ran out of real estate to, you know, to, to get back into that game. But he made it close just by, you know, sheer will um, and, and, and what he does. But as I mentioned, that blue line is really where things, I think, turn the turn the game in favor of the Gophers, and that's Brock Faber being one of the best defensemen in the entire country. I think, you know, you, Jake Sanderson to me is, is probably the most talented overall player in college hockey this season. Um, but you look at Brock Faber and the way that he defends the fact that he was the number one defenseman on the Olympic team when Sanderson got hurt. Um, you know, he is every bit, uh, as, as impactful as, as anybody else in this country. Um, and then you look at guys like Jackson Lacombe, Ryan Johnson, um, you know, that, that can move pucks and, and skate really well. And, um, I, I think that that's really going to be the difference where, where things get interesting is in net for yes. Minnesota. They have Justin Close who, 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 uh, replaced Jack LaFontaine and Close is, you know, he, he's essentially a walk on and he has been outstanding for them since he's been called into action. I mean, as a save percentage over 920 and, you know, he's just been, solid enough for them to where they haven't he's he's actually played better than Jack LaFontaine did at any point this season um so that's kind of amazing and and for for a guy to come in in that spot so I do think that in the end depth wins and and I think Minnesota will have learned from their early exit last year at the hands of Minnesota State and uh and and you know really bear down and, and make sure they play they're playing postseason hockey here all right, you're taking Minnesota. I'm going the other way. I'm taking UMass, and and goaltending is the, uh, the the difference for me. And I look at it from the other side. Matt Murray, who you mentioned last year, Philly Lindbergh got to play in that uh, the final championship game, but it was Matt Murray who got them to the final championship mm-hmm. league and then had to sit. Absolutely, this is his year to uh, be the guy. Now both goalies are Canadian, so I'm a little torn on that one. But uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm leaning to uh, UMass this year. But it, you made a really great case for the Gophers, and I was. Going back and forth, uh, Brock Faber is fantastic, uh, and they've got so much depth. But just to be different, you're taking the Gophers. I'm going with UMass. On the other <laughs> side of that regional, another good matchup, Western Michigan against Northeastern. And uh, uh, Northeastern, uh, the goaltending is so good with Devin Levi, Canadian. But uh, Western Michigan had such a strong year. This is, it seems on paper to me, offense versus defense slash goaltending. Uh, how do you set it up? Yeah, this is this is going to be uh, an absolute battle. I mean, I think that the more skilled team overall is Northeastern, uh, but I think the better team is Western. I think they're deeper, they're more consistent, they have more experience, they have a lot of age as well. I mean, Ethan Frank came back for an extra season. Um, you know, Ronnie Adderd had every opportunity to turn pro last year with Philadelphia opted to return for his junior season. He was an old, he's an older junior. He's not a he's not a true junior. So. Um, Brandon Bussey, the goaltender, uh, had a lot of free agent interest and will have even more this year. Um, and he's been a real difference maker. So, so Western is, is pretty impressive overall. We're also talking about two first year head coaches in Pat Fershweiler and Jerry Keefe. Right. Um, two guys that have been assistants and, and great recruiters. And, you know, Keefe has been involved at the world junior team multiple times. Um, Pat Fershweiler was an assistant coach with the Red Wings. So, you know, this is, they've both done a phenomenal job with their teams. Um, but I, I think, you know, when we look at this game, it absolutely comes down to Devin Levi and 
can he win? Can, you know, I think he needs to be the difference as he has been this year. I mean, if I'm not on the Hobie Baker committee, but if I was, he would be the guy that, uh, you know, I would view as the best player in college hockey this year. Um, you look at his numbers, very comparable to the numbers that Ryan Miller put up in his Hobie Baker season in 2000 or 2001. And he, I mean, we, I never thought that we'd see numbers like that from a primary starter ever again. And here we are, and Devin Levi has an SA percentage over 950. So, you know, that's, that's where we're at with him. And, and he hasn't played as many games because he did miss time for the Olympics. Um, but you consider the fact that he didn't play at all last season after starring at the World Juniors for Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been a, a huge, huge difference maker. But on top of that, on top of having Levi, they do have some really good goal scoring. Aiden McDonough is one of the top goal scorers in the country. Jordan Harris, an excellent offensive, you know, a two-way defenseman, can make a lot of plays. Um, you know, they have Jack Hughes, who is the uh, Jack Hughes 2.0, the son of Kent Hughes, the general manager of the, of the uh of the Montreal Canadiens and could be a first round pick in this year's draft. He's really picked it up over the last couple of weeks. Um, so, you know, Northeastern is a team that's very dangerous, but they're dangerous because their goaltending is so good. Um, but on the other side, you got Western Michigan, Ethan Frank, who I mentioned is the nation's leading goal scorer. So, you know, that, that there's a lot of talent on both sides here. Um, this one is a pick for me as well. Um, but I am going to lean ever so slightly towards Western Michigan. All right, I'm going northeastern, but in overtime, I'm calling it three-two. I, I just can't. Uh, you got to get. I think you got to get three goals on Devin Levi, and that's really, really hard to do. Um, so I'm, that's yeah. good. I'm glad that we're uh, different. We got the different uh, winners yeah. moving forward. That's good. Exactly. Yeah. We're halfway through the uh, the first round. Uh, let's go up to Minnesota Duluth and Michigan Tech. Uh, and uh, who do you like between the the Bulldogs and the Huskies? Well, you know, I think this game could be closer than most of us would expect because Michigan Tech has a lot of offensive talent on their roster. They also have a really good goalie in Blake Patella. And, um, you know, there have been like 4,000 Patillas that have played college hockey, and Mm -hmm. and, uh, now we got another one there. So, um, but the the two guys up top, Brian Hallinan is a a Hope Baker top 10 guy. Um, You know, he's had over 40 points, he's been a high end goal scorer. Um, they also have Trenton Bliss, who is actually getting some interest as a as a college free agent as well. Could potentially see him. You know, he's got good size and and strength. And um, you know, Michigan Tech has always been really difficult to play against. They play a pretty physical style. They play you know a gritty style. Um, you know, and and I think they're gonna they're gonna do well. But we're talking when when you talk about postseason hockey in college, <laughs> and you look at Minnesota Duluth, and they just won the NCHC. In the frozen faceoff, I went to the first, uh, the, the semifinal of that game and watched them absolutely dominate, uh, in their semifinal against Denver. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the, the team that had the best offensive line in the country and the, and the guy who probably does end up winning the Hobie Baker and Bobby Brink. I mean, they absolutely shut them down and they're, they're incredibly stingy. Ryan Fanti has quietly had an incredible season. I mean, they always have good goaltending at Minnesota Duluth, and it's never a guy that, that you know, outside of when they had Alex Daylock, mm-hmm. it's never a guy that you've heard of before. You know, <laughs> and so and so Ryan Fanti has become that guy for them this year, just as uh, Hunter Skinner did years ago um, and, and made, his, made his mark as one of the best postseason goalies in college hockey history. So 
um, you know, they're, they're so tough to play against. And, and the guy that I think that really, there are two guys that I think really make the difference. And it doesn't mean they always show up on the score sheet. And that's why Kaiser, who I think is a, another one of, you know, we, we talk about defensemen a lot in this. And I, how many guys have I said he's one of the best defensemen in the country? Yeah. But they're also guys that are going to play in the NHL. And where have the best defensemen, the best young defensemen in the NHL, outside of, you know, Mort Sider at this point, where have they come from? College hockey. You know, most of them come from college hockey. And we've got a whole bunch more coming. And I think Wyatt Kaiser has a chance to be a real special one. He's, a, he's highly mobile, very good defensively. Um, you know, makes a lot of plays overall and, and just, you know, he's, he's, his offensive game is still coming more, but you know, he, he just does so much. And then the other guy is Noah Cates who played in the NHL or drafted in the NHL by the Philadelphia Flyers. Everybody thought he was coming out after last season. His brother who was not drafted actually signed with the Flyers and then everybody said, Oh, well, that must mean he's leaving. Well, Noah Cates decided to come back to take another run at it with Minnesota Duluth. He's the captain, went to the Olympics and now. You know, he, he hasn't produced at the level that we've seen him in years past, mm-hmm. but he is one of the better two-way players in college hockey. So I, I, you know, it, it's, it, when it's the postseason and it's Minnesota Duluth, it, it's hard to go against the Bulldogs. Uh, I'm with you and I'm taking the Bulldogs in that one as well. It, it's interesting because I'm taking Denver to beat UMass Lowell, which would set up Denver and Duluth again, uh, like they were in the, uh, the NCAA or the NCHC. Uh, conference playoffs but uh, Denver against UMass Lowell uh, I've already said I'm taking the Pioneers uh, how about you yeah I mean I'm taking Denver as well uh, UMass Lowell is going to be tough though they have really that Owen Savory is a great goalie he's he was a transfer you know he's made made an impact there uh, since he's arrived they have really good forward group and defense and and they're just really well coached they're always they, they always play the same kind of style and they never have the talent of anybody else but they, but they always find a way to, 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 to make it hard to play against. But Denver just has a little too much firepower. We talked about Bobby Brink, you know, and then also you look at some of the other guys that, that have been massively important there, Carter Savoy, um, Cole Gutman. And then they've had just a tremendous impact from their freshman class. Mm-hmm. And that has been a, been a big difference for them. The freshman classes. You know, Sean Barron's has been one of the top defensemen among freshmen. You know, Luke Hughes is, is the guy that everybody knows because of what he's done this year. But, uh, you know, Sean Barron's has been a, a huge difference maker. I would also say that, you know, Shai Bouillon, Carter Mazur, uh, uh, Massimo Rizzo, all of those guys have been impact players for Denver. And, and Mazur and Rizzo, you know, are basically a big part of their second line. Um, so they have really a really good uh class and then you know it's going to come down to can Magnus Corona play consistently enough to give them a chance um, in this tournament because you know they can get a little leaky defensively they can allow quite a few shots but they are one of the best possession teams in the country they're also the you know the highest per game scoring team in the country so you know I think that that's you know they can outscore you if you have to come down to it so yeah Denver for me um, is still the team that will will advance out of that out of that regional. All right, we agree. Uh, out of the complete regional, even against Denver and well, if it's the, Denver out and Duluth, first, out of the first round. Okay, out of the first round. <laughs> All right, the uh, <laughs> the other two first round matchups uh, that'll be going in Allentown, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, you got the number one ranked Michigan Wolverines taking on AIC. Do you give the Yellow Jackets? Do you give them a chance? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. And and. and We've seen 16-1 upsets before, but we've also seen very vulnerable ones. Yes. And 
Um, I don't see Michigan as a vulnerable one. Um, they are surging at this point. Um, but, you know, I, I would say that they are, they are going to be too much. I just watched them dismantle Minnesota. I don't see AIC slowing them down. All right, I agree completely. Let's just jump to Quinnipiac and, and St. Cloud State. Really tough for me to call. I, I'm going to ask about David Rennick. Is, is he playing? Is he available? Because if he's not, that might be the difference for me. It, yeah, you know, I haven't seen the latest update on whether or not he's going to be available for the game. Um, he has played so much better this season. I thought he was the weak link on the team last year, which was really unfortunate because they had such a good roster. And, and you know, he wasn't getting them the saves when they needed him. He played decently well. I mean, obviously he got him to the Frozen Four. He played some of his best hockey down the stretch. Um, but eventually, you know, I thought they had so much going on there and and the other thing too is you know with Nick Perbix I mean he's very quietly he's the only I think he's the only defenseman in the country that's averaged over a point per game you know that's played a a significant amount of games and he 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 really impressed me he was one of the guys that when he made the Olympic team I was like really Mm -hmm. and and then you watch him and the poise that he has and the way that he moves the puck and and he's been so good so you know he's got a chance to be an All-American this year um, and, and a real good one so um, so that's, that's, you know, I think they're going to be pretty good, but the thing about, you know, St. Cloud state is they're going to find a team at the other side of the ice that just doesn't give up the puck very much. You know, they, 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 they can suffocate you defensively. They can forecheck the heck out of you. They can, you know, they can make plays in their own end. They have a, a brilliant puck mover in Zach Metza who, you know, can control shifts all on his own. Um, you know, they've, they've got some scoring talent throughout the lineup. Ty Smolanek, uh, you know, is a, is a plays with a lot of speed. He was traded and now a member of the Montreal Canadiens, but, um, you know, he's, he's a guy that can make an impact in, in, in a lot of different places of the ice. And then they have, you know, Peretz is the, uh, the, the goaltender who has put up numbers almost as good as Devin Levi's. Now he's seen about half as many shots, yes. but still he's, he's 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 still stopping all of them um and has 11 shutouts this season which is just absolutely absurd it's one off of the record um for the ncaa and um and yeah i mean this is a this is a rookie that we're talking about again another guy that didn't have any experience and he's come in and and he he it was basically a tandem situation at the beginning of the year but he played so well they didn't have any choice but to just give him the net so uh yeah, so I, I think in that particular game, you know, I, I think it is too close to call. Um, I'm going to give a slight lean to Quinnipiac because I think they have the uh, they have a little bit better. Um, you know, the goaltending situation is is, is definitely better, mm-hmm. um, but St. Cloud State's experience cannot be ignored. There are a lot of guys that decided to come back this year that didn't have to because they felt like they had some unfinished business, and that can be a very dangerous team. Oh, and that's where I was going. I'm going to take St. Cloud with an asterisk, and that depends on if Rennick's available because of that experience. I mean, they they got to the national championship game last year, uh, and I think at this mm-hmm. time of the season, that that experience I think go, goes a long way. But um, if Rennick's not there, that might just be enough to for me to tilt it towards the uh, the Bobcats. Quinnipiac did lose against Harvard, though. They they are not the the conference champs, so maybe St. Cloud's watching a lot of uh, game right. film from that that one. And even Colgate gave him a bit of a run. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing about the thing about Quinnipiac is that they didn't have a huge non-conference schedule. They did split a series with North Dakota earlier in the season, and that was kind of their, 
you know, a statement arrival that, you know, that they were there. And, but, but again, you know, it's like you go through the, the bottom half of the ECAC was dreadful this year. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, and, and it's, it's not always a strong league, but, but I mean, really this year it was, it was, it was not at all. So, you know, so are they battle tested enough? And again, it just comes down to me thinking that the style that they play, if they establish the possession game, they just, they just kill the clock. I mean, they just kill it with, with good puck movement and the ability to apply pressure on the other side. So, um, you know, they're, 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 the shot share in their games is just out, out of this world, you know, and again, that's not probably not going to be the case against St. Cloud, but yeah, I think that the goaltending situation for the Huskies is really where, you know, this one could lie in the balance. All right. I'm going to ask you for your frozen four participants and your national champion prediction, uh, but I'll give you mine first so that uh, I, I don't get swayed by your picks, but I'm going to take Michigan, right. uh, Michigan and Minnesota Duluth uh, to come out of their regionals. And I, I know we're already different because I'm taking UMass and, and uh, I think you're taking Minnesota. But I'm going to have UMass against Minnesota State uh, with uh, Michigan and UMass in the final. Uh, or actually, no, Michigan and Minnesota State in the final. Well, geez, now I had it written down and now I'm not. See, I'm flipping. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> flip-flopping already. Michigan is my national champion, though, who, regardless of whoever they're playing. Uh, I think they're just, they're just poised for a, a pretty big finish. Um, but they got some some challenges along the way for sure they're going to be tested but i think they're just too good this year uh what about you chris yeah i'm i'm going to go michigan minnesota duluth minnesota and minnesota state in the frozen four with a national championship of minnesota versus michigan um and uh i will also take the wolverines to win it now Here's the interesting thing, Gee, that we haven't touched on yet because we kind of breezed past Michigan, but I wanted to get to it because this is the way that college hockey is set up and how crazy things can happen. So the reason that Michigan is the number one overall seed in this tournament, and the reason that they're going to get to play AIC in the first round, which, you know, with all due respect to AIC is almost like getting a bye, right. um, is, is, because their their RPI, which is the, the you know they take the combination of games against the similar opponents for all the teams under consideration and all this, their their RPI was point zero 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 seven better than Minnesota State's, hmm. and so that's how close it was to Minnesota State being the top team because that's ultimately the tiebreaker. They do do some adjustments for quality of wins and things like that and you know and and quality you know or or the fact that there are some wins that just aren't worth counting um or losses that aren't worth counting so anyway um the other thing that kind of came into that whole thing which is why a lot of people were upset is that there was a game that was supposed to be played earlier this year that never was played between Michigan and Western Michigan right. that game was canceled for what was called health and safety reasons now let's say that that game very well could have swung the balance of this of this pairwise ranking that that is used to build the tournament. So if they would have lost, if they would have lost, yeah, and they're a good team, right? I mean, that is very realistic. That could have happened. Well, yeah, I think you know at that point, Michigan was without all of its players for the World Juniors, yeah, and and Thomas Bordalo, who had you know had tested positive before leaving, so. You know, so they, they basically, they had 18 skaters and they would have had to play Western Michigan. Now, 
there have been teams that have done that in the past. In fact, Michigan has had to play with, you know, 18 or so skaters in the past. Minnesota Duluth has done it. Minnesota has done it. Um, so that's, you know, so the, the other thing that worries me about picking Michigan is do the hockey gods <laughs> come into play here? Do they, do they, do they, do they come in and interfere? Because you never know how karma is going to work out. Right. And it is one of those things where, um, you know, I mean, it's obviously a superstitious thing. And, and certainly I think on paper, Michigan's just the best team right now. Um, the other thing that I did want to point out about them is, you know, we talk so much about their offense, but what struck me against Minnesota in the Big 12, the Big 10 championship game is how well Michigan defended down low. Owen Power was an absolute monster. Luke Hughes was an absolute monster in that game as well. And I'm not talking about their offensive games. I'm talking about the way they played down low, the battles that they won, the, the, the different plays that they made with their six. So the, the fact that M- Michigan is showing that commitment to defense at this time of year is really the difference between me saying, you know, that they're going to they're going to flame out and, and or they're going to be the national champions. I think they, they have a real opportunity here to do something special as a group. Chris, as always, man, this has been a lot of fun. We went a long time, but it was uh, well worth it. Uh, we're both taking Michigan, but those shenanigans in the middle of the season. I, <laughs> I think there'll be a lot of people who pick Michigan, but uh, wouldn't mind if it was somebody else, put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, Gee, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. This is, this is the best time of year, man. This is, this is <laughs> what it's all about. There's Chris Peters from Daily Faceoff. Known him a long time now uh, through the Pipeline show. Great guy. Met him a few times in person. And uh, always, uh, he's one of my favorite guests to get on the program because he's got a lot of knowledge, really personable, and he knows his stuff. Uh, And when it comes to college hockey, uh, he's got great insight as well. And that's why I wanted to get him on to uh, break down all the uh, regional action and get Frozen Four picks and an eventual national champion prediction from him as well. Uh, we both decided it was going to be Michigan, but man, you can make a good argument for a lot of teams. I think the field this year is really good. There's only one or two programs that maybe I toss out and, and, uh, put different clubs in to make it an actual, what I think is the best 16 teams that man, some great first round matchups. Uh, let me know your picks at TPS underscore gee is where you can get me on Twitter. Maybe you want to include Chris in your, uh, tweets. You can find him. If you're not following him on Twitter, uh, you're crazy. At Chris M. Peters, and Peters is with one E. Well, there's there's two E's, but there's a T in between them. Let us know your thoughts on the uh, first-round matchups. What we said, you think we're crazy? I'm really intrigued by uh, this year's national tournament. We have one more segment to go. Chris is in Kitchener, Ontario for the CHL's top prospect game. So is Stephen Ellis from the Hockey News, and we're going to pick his brain about what he saw. Next, here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Shot on goal for Denmark on that power play. Now McDavid back the other way. In comes Connor McDavid. Loose in front. Score! Connor McDavid with a fantastic goal. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. 
The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.av.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hello there. Final segment to go on this week's episode of The Pipeline Show is a recap of the CHL Top Prospect game that went in Kitchener this week. And uh, my next guest uh, was on hand, uh, Stephen Ellis from the Hockey News. Welcome back to the program, Stephen. Thanks for uh, making the time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, uh, we were just chit-chatting uh, briefly before we started uh, about the uh, the actual game itself. And, and you said it was a pretty good game. I wonder how much of that is just... It's been two years since we had one of these. It's got to be good to get back into a building. A lot of other media there as well. It, uh, I imagine it felt as good as maybe the game itself was just to be in the building and in that atmosphere again. Yeah, like I've been to like a lot of like NHL games recently, but it didn't feel like the crowd you see at a Leaf game almost didn't feel like what we got last night. That game was so much fun. The The crowd was great. There was like a, a very dedicated cheering section for whoever was in net, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of Shane Wright uh, chants. So it was just cool to see everyone having a good time. Like the, the mask mandate was dropped uh, recently in Ontario. So it just like a lot of people were just happy from the looks of it. So it just it was fun to see. All right. Well, what stood out uh, for you in the game? Uh, the, I guess the first thing for me was, well, you know, the two players of the game, but the uh, low shot count for uh, Team Red, they only had nine shots through the first two periods. Uh, was that just a defensive showcase there, a clinic put on by Team White? Team White definitely had the better defense, I'd say. Uh, when you look at Team Red with Shane Wright, Danny Jilkin, Matt Savoy, uh, Goyette, guys like that, you would have thought they were going like, to get a lot more shots. But no, it was a really strong defensive effort by Team White. And I don't even know if I could say there was anyone like that was specifically a standout on that blue line for Team White. Maybe, maybe uh, Noah Warren, I really liked the way he played. But just as a unit, they just looked like they were experienced playing together and it worked. Everyone seemed comfortable. And uh, Shane Wright had a couple good opportunities early, scored the first goal of the game, and then it they just couldn't get anything really dangerous kind of till near the end. Uh, Tyler Brennan only faced four shots, gave up a goal. So not a great uh, showcase for him because he wasn't very busy. Uh, Reed Dick, the, uh, the goaltender of the night, uh, I, I would have to think. He made some pretty big stops, uh, some multiple goal mouse scrambles where he was making two, three, four saves all at once. Was he the takeaway goaltender from this event? For sure. And goaltending was probably one of the highlights overall. And obviously Brennan didn't get a lot of shots and allowed a goal. But uh, when you look at like Zhigalov, I thought he played well, even though he was the one to kind of give up all the goals. He, I thought he was still played really good uh, considering uh, a lot of glove saves in this, uh, in this game, but for sure. Reed Dick was a uh, fantastic. I, I hadn't seen a lot of him uh, outside of just some clips and it was cool to just to see how calm he was, but also he just moved so well. He was ready for everything. And um, probably the the quickest of the four goalies in the net and he had to be he had to make a bunch of saves there's one segment where he made three or four really good saves in a row and mm-hmm. i thought he played as well as you could have asked mason bopit also didn't allow a goal 16 shots placed for the spokane chiefs what do you think of him well, first off, I love his goaltending pads. I think his pads look amazing. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I thought he again. He was very calm, and uh, there were some opportunities uh, kind of later in the game where he had to be a bit busier than uh, Tyler Brennan was. But I thought he looked good, and again, like goaltending was definitely a, a show for me there. Uh, um, I always love paying attention to goalies a bit more, but uh, considering this draft, there isn't like a whole lot of like high ta- high quality goalies. Yeah, uh, I think that everyone kind of just gave their their best uh, foot forward there. 
Stephen Ellis from the Hockey News, my guest, uh, looking back at the CHL top prospect game. Uh, Shane Wright made a mark on the score sheet just three minutes, 43 seconds in. In fact, before that, he had a breakaway, missed the net. Did he live up to the hype for you just in this one game? I know it's a very, very, very small sample size, but uh, did he deliver in this one? It's always fun watching him and seeing what he's capable of. He's a very talented player. And uh, yeah, I thought he did a lot of that first period was him trying to generate those shots. He had a breakaway like a minute and a half in, I want to say, and then scored the the first goal. So I thought he lived up to the expectations. He was the player of the game. And, you know, it wasn't his fault that his team didn't win the game. He gave everything he had. The the other scoring lines didn't really generate a lot, but it seemed like every time Wright was on the ice, he did well. He got hit pretty hard in the first period. I, I saw his stick snap into four pieces. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he uh, it's always fun to watch Shane Wright, no matter what he's uh, doing or who he's playing with. I saw that stick break as well it's like it was made out of lego pieces or something it just it, it, you don't see a stick break into little chunks like that but who else on team red stood out for you outside of shane right personally i thought matthew savoy even though he didn't get a point in the game looked like he was trying to make stuff happen Savoy played really well. Uh, good young kid, obviously a very top prospect for this draft, and he seemed relaxed to practice, always smiling, always looking like he was having fun. And then through the game, he he brought that energy, he brought the skill through a couple more hits than I'm kind of used to seeing him play. I liked Hunter Height. I thought he also had a really good game. He got a couple of good shots on net. Uh, Danny Jokin had a really good uh, effort there too. So while while the team obviously only scored the one goal. I thought there were some guys that the guys you would expect kind of stood out. And uh, I also, I, I like watching Isaiah George. I know he may not be one of the highest rated uh, players out of that game, but I'd say he's someone where the skills there, I think he just needs the consistency to be the, be an everyday player. Dash two on the night though, for Isaiah George, as was uh, Josh Philman and, and even uh, Jorian Donovan, a uh, minus three uh, in the game. So maybe not the end results that those guys wanted, but uh, overall, uh, for Team Red, it was a, a decent performance, even though there were not a lot of shots on net for them. Well, they won't be happy because it was a one-off game, and not winning that one-off game definitely sucks. But I'd say like there were some guys there that that kind of showed that um, there's there's definitely some noise to be made about some of those players for the draft. It's it's an interesting one for the CHL class where you've obviously got the best player and you've got another really good one in Savoy, but then it's kind of a mixed bag, um, kind of across the board. I'd say, but I'd say yeah, they they, they you, I would have liked to see a bit closer of a game it became more of a shutdown game i'd say in that second half well then we go over to team white and uh jagger Furcus uh, m- might have been sort of the best kept secret in the whl at least on a national level i think everybody out here pretty familiar with what he's done this season but getting on a national stage like that he certainly made the most of it player of the game uh, for team white with a goal and an assist jake carabella also with a goal and assist but uh Furcus, uh had a had a pretty darn good night didn't he Fergus just seemed to be everywhere when he scored the other one goal early. It's like his shot is so good, such a quick release. And you can only take so much out of watching a guy shoot in practice. But it's like every time he shot, it was like he put it where he wanted. And uh, he's got a, just so much fun to watch. I'd never seen him in person, uh, only his clips. So it was good to see kind of just how fast, how skilled, how uh, talented of a player he is. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's got one of the best names in the draft alone should probably push him up a few spots. <laughs> I would think so. There's so many headlines you can uh, make out of the, the name like that moves like Jagger and all of that with uh, Jake Carabella also picking up a couple of points plays for the Guelph storm. Does he not? I, I believe if I remember correct, I don't have it written in front of me, but I think that's yes, he is. He's his captain there. Tell me about what you thought of his performance. Was it just chemistry between those two guys? Yeah. It just seemed like for two guys who don't really, uh, 
play each other ever. Um, yeah. <laughs> they they played really well. And uh, Carabella, I, I love just kind of this is a guy that just digs for things. He just works hard. He's got a hard work ethic. And that's what you want to see in games like this, because while there's a lot of skill on the board, you do see the physicality. Sarah Carabella get, get dirty a few times, uh, not, not in a bad way, but like he was just playing a physical game. And uh, he was one of the more all around players, I'd say, for uh, for Team White. Captain for Team White was Denton Matejcik. That's uh, Jagger Ferkus's teammate in Moose Jaw. What do you think of his performance? He is one of my favorite defensemen in this draft. He is such a hard guy to get around. Good speed. Uh, he just he just gets in your way. I think that's kind of just the best way of putting at it. It's just he he you think you might have the advantage on him, and he just gets in that position and stops. So uh, I'd say uh, I love watching him play. There's a lot of talent on on uh, both clubs. Uh, you can keep going down the list. Connor Geeky, I thought this year with the Winnipeg Ice uh, started really well, maybe faded a bit uh, in the uh, in the second half of the season so far. But I, again, I thought he had a pretty good night at times yesterday, even though no points and he was a minus one. But uh, what kind of an impression does Geeky make on you, Stephen? I don't love his skating. It feels like he's trying to like slam the ice as hard as possible when he skates <laughs> uh in some cases but i think that's the the skill is definitely there he's got the pedigree he's got the family the background that makes him like he's we, we know kind of just how good of a player and, and the, the coaches and the players he's been around in his career so uh i well that skating is something we look at jason dickens or, uh, jason robertson on dallas this is a guy who skating was questioned heavily and he ended up becoming uh, quite a good player so skating is something that can be adjusted when you get to the higher levels of better coaches but for me it's the, the there's so much raw skill there that i think any team that picks him almost is getting him getting him in a cheap manner like they don't have to it's not going to cost them much to draft him early because mm-hmm. there's just so much potential for him to be kind of the, a star player when he gets to the next level he'll he'll put up a lot of points i think so um yeah the mobility is definitely a question for me but not something that that won't be fixed at some point do you remember mark stone as a, a brandon weeking like were you on the scene when he was in junior? oh yeah oh yeah i mean yep. not a good skater right but that's something i think some guys can work on his last name was fitting for the time. It's <laughs> exactly. the feet of stone, essentially. <laughs> uh, that's good. I like that. Uh, who haven't we talked about that uh, that made an impression on you in a positive way? Well, no Warren for sure. Uh, he was just throwing some big hits out there. He wanted to get himself noticed there because uh, – Maybe maybe not a one of the top names uh, from this draft, but someone that just every time you play, you you kind of just have to notice him, and uh, I like that. Uh, I thought Nathan Gochair from uh, the Quebec Ramparts had a good mm-hmm. game. He scored. He just seemed to be like it looked like he probably could have get a second one or even a third one because he was just really good around the net. Um, so those are the ones definitely for me. And Danny Shulkin, like having to play with Shane Wright is tough, um, but I felt like he was a good complimentary player there. He can keep up with him, and uh, playing with a, the top prospect in a lot of cases can hurt you when that top prospect looks so much better than everybody else in the ice but for me i don't feel like that was the case last night for him well that was the chl top prospect game good recap there Uh, i wanted to ask you a couple other things are there stories in the across the chl that you're looking uh, for uh, over the next month month and a half as uh, the regular seasons wrap up uh, some interesting playoff races or or what's uh, what's piqued your interest here as we get down the stretch 
I think it's kind of just seeing which prospects are going to kind of push themselves up into the, the draft uh, conversation here and uh, a little higher. And because uh, there were some good players that weren't involved in that game that mm-hmm. were that were there. But uh, yeah, it just, I really like to see like, like seeing all those guys in one place is always so much fun because like being based on Ontario, I don't get to go see the guys in WHL and the QJHL uh, pretty much ever. Um, but then seeing the, how some of these guys can use the momentum from this game, whether it being a, a good result or or are just talking to teams and kind of just getting some good feedback can use that into a late uh, season stretch because uh i, I know the, the qmjhl might not have the the strongest draft class but there are some guys there that could be making some noise and may have even uh boosted their um their level up there and we also got the world junior championship coming up in a few months so yeah. some players are going to be trying to to force those their way into lineup especially if if we're looking at some guys who might be focused on the nhl uh uh, training camp. Will we see Shane Wright? Will we see Owen Power, obviously, from the NCAA? Guys like that, where we might get some opportunities for some of these players who weren't on Hockey Canada's radar, pushing themselves in the conversation based off this late uh, stretch of the season. I Personally, I think the rosters for the World Juniors are going to look a little bit different, maybe uh, way different than they were in December. Like, why would a guy like Owen Power come back and play in the World Junior again when you're two weeks away from starting your NHL career with the Buffalo Sabres? Why would you risk uh, injury? Well, I'll argue this. Look at Alexis Lafreniere, how tough of a start it was for his NHL career. Would it have helped if he had played a whole month of training camp and then a tournament? Maybe. But then you'd look at Kirby Doc, who got hurt, and he missed that tournament. Right. Uh, so they, you can go it both ways. It just it might just depend on which uh, team we're talking about here. Uh, that's fair. We got the Holinka Gretzky Cup right before that. Both of those events here in Edmonton. The uh, World U18 uh, what's that? Just over a month from now as well. So that'll be on the radar for scouts to get ready. A lot of players will be in that event that that are uh, draft eligible this year. The last uh, story I wanted to ask you about is also in the queue, and that happened last week. And Ev Gascon, the a female goaltender with the Gatineau Olympique, that's a pretty interesting story. Is this more than a one-off? Uh, that you know, some people will, will look at it and say, "Well, I don't know, publicity stunt or something." It, she she seems like she's the real deal. She made some big saves. She played really well, and like the thing is, like if you translated her skill, her speed, and her movement in the crease to a goalie that was maybe like seven or eight inches taller, we'd be talking about a really, really good goaltender. Mm. So uh, the the thing hurting her definitely is her size, but the talent's definitely there, and she deserved the start. And I hope she gets more starts because she's she's been highly regarded. She is the the future of Team Canada's national team in the crease. Uh, after talking to some other goalies around, they think that she's the the future. So uh, it's so cool to see her there and I, I do think she'll get a win before the season's over assuming they're given more opportunities steven as always really appreciate your time man thanks for doing this hope we can chat again maybe closer to the draft or after the u18s or something absolutely thank you so much steven ellis from the hockey news uh, with his thoughts on the chl top prospect game which went in kitchener in uh, one of the probably the one of the oldest buildings i would have to think in the canadian hockey league I'm sure it's been renovated uh, several times over the years, but uh, man, that that building has seen a lot of history. That is for sure. Let me know what you thought of the CHL Top Prospect game. If you saw it, at TPS underscore Guy is where you can find me on Twitter. You can also sign up and become a patron at patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. A couple of bucks a month will give you access, early access, to every interview that you hear on a full episode of The Pipeline Show. They're all available to... Uh, patrons uh, one, two, sometimes three days uh, before they're available for anybody else. 
But Stephen was the final guest for this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. He joined me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Next week on the show, well, by this time next week, we'll know the four participants in the Frozen Four. And you know what that means, the Frozen Four Coaches Show. Coming up next week when we uh, try to get all four bench bosses from the uh, teams who will be competing for the national championship. One of the highlight episodes of the Pipeline Show every year, so don't miss that. Between now and then, get out and watch some junior or college hockey if you can, because the national tournament is now officially underway. And that way you and I can talk about it next week, right here on the Pipeline Show, which is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name's Keith Flaming. See ya!